0: Well, good morning, church, and uh, thank you for being with us this uh, sunny and hot week and probably hot day today as well. We've had some hot weather. Uh, I hope that you've been able to figure out a way to stay cool. Um, But yeah, what a season we're in. I, you know, I just think about all the layers of things that have happened that are going on. You know, that's how is it that we had like the hottest day of the year, the same time we're going through a pandemic, right? How does this happen, all these things? Uh, as you face these challenges, you know, I want to remind you, especially as we've been studying First Peter, to keep our eyes on Jesus and to work through that. I also want to remind you, church, that you're not alone. Uh, every Christmas we talk about the Christmas story and Jesus coming in a, ba- in a manger and in humble means and Jesus coming and being with us. And that Christmas story isn't about just Jesus coming to a manger. The Christmas story really is about Jesus coming to every manger, Jesus coming to every home. Jesus coming to every state, to every heart that we have. That's actually the Christmas story. And I know it's Christmas in August. I can say that maybe. Uh, And I want to tell you that today. That Jesus has come to your home. Uh, You know, he came to your situation. He's come to your workplace. He's come to your worry and anxiety and the unknowns that are ahead. Jesus is with you today. He comes to you. He's here with you where he's here with us that have gathered here together in person and for those of you that are at home or listening to this later on the podcast he's here for you and he's with you today so i just want to remind you i just prayed about that this, this week and it's on my heart to tell you that he's come to you you know it doesn't feel like it sometimes i know especially when uh, we've had to socially distance which unfortunately is part of our core need is community and connection and When we had to be distant, it was challenging. Initially maybe it was cool, right? But then eventually you're like, oh man, does anybody even know what I'm going through? Does anybody even think about me? Does anybody, do I even know what's going on in anybody else's life? And we're in that, we've been in that for a while. And so I just wanna remind you first and foremost that you're not alone, he's with you. And I want you to reach out to him. That's our heart cry of our church is that you would just reach out to God wherever you're at. like. It's you and Jesus, and we're here to support that. But man, He's there for you. So in open in prayer today, and I'm just going to pray that that awareness will grow for you, even in this next hour that we're together. That you'll be, remember that Jesus is with you, and even though you can't see him, he's like the wind. You can't see him, but you definitely can feel him. And today I want you to feel him. Jesus, today, we just come to you, and yeah, we do want to feel you today. I want to experience you. And Lord, we know experiencing you means experiencing ourselves too. And it's the experience with you is the collision of our experience and your experience. And so today we thank you for that collision. We thank you that you collided with our experience and becoming, coming to this earth in a, in a manger and humble means and giving your life for us and removing every obstacle for us to walk with you, for really for you to be with us. We thank you for that, Lord. And so today we pray for greater awareness that we're not alone. It's okay. We may not be okay, but it's gonna be okay because you've got it all and you can heal all the things that we're going through and the hard things, God. And I pray, especially in this moment of this Delta Delta variant going around and maybe some new mask mandates could happen and all these different things, Lord, we look to you. We want our hearts to be calm in your hand. Not ruled by any of those things that make things inconvenient for us or uncomfortable. As we go through our challenges and our suffering, we want to be grounded in you. We just thank you for your blessing on our gathering today as we worship, as we pray, as we look at 1 Peter again. Lord, we just give you our hearts this morning We'd say yes to you. Yes, 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 yes to you, in Jesus' name, amen. Church, join, join us in worship. Uh, we can all stand this morning, and if you're at home, I'm going to invite Liz to uh, worship, lead us in worship today.
1: Good morning, Church, let's worship together. in your own I ask that you just continue to move here, wherever we are watching this, Father. I ask, Lord, that you just open our hearts, Lord. Open our eyes, Father. And we welcome you in.
0: Thank you, Liz. Um, we're going to look at First Peter chapter 5, the last chapter today and the last sermon in our series going through First Peter. Uh, but before I uh, share with you from First Peter, uh, just a couple announcements. Uh, I want to remind you that uh, Sunday, August 22nd, so after church, uh, we're going to have another church barbecue at the park. Uh, these have been really great. I want to thank Jason and Liz for putting these on. It's been really great. Uh, to be able to re-engage his community and be outside where it's probably be a little safer I guess mm-hmm. and um, if you haven't attended one of those would love for to reconnect with you then uh, so that Saturday or so, sorry Sunday August 22nd after church okay um, I also want to uh, uh, stop for a moment and, and pray for Chris Mayo uh, many of you heard on uh, Facebook but last week uh, her she lost her son and young man 21 years old and so Chris is grieving today and we want to support her as a community. Uh, someone's setting up a GoFundMe page, and I'll send that to you as soon as I get it. Uh, we're planning uh, some arrangements here to have a um, memorial service, so I'll let you know about those as well. I'll need some volunteers to help if that's okay as well. Um, but, yeah, just a tough time for her, and just kind of as she grieves and thinks about this. And, you know, these hard times are part of our lives, and it's just just hard. And so we know that God's grace is there. And so as a community, we just want to pause for a moment and just pray for Um, our sister today. God, we just pray for Chris. Uh, Lord, I know she's faithful to you, Lord, and she talks to you, Lord, and she has gotten support for our community, and she's been such a support to our community in serving and volunteering for many years, and today, Lord, as she grieves, just ask for your help. We ask, Holy Spirit, you'd bring comfort to her today, and that her eyes would be upon you, Lord, as she just faces this really, really hard time. Father, we pray for others that are grieving today, and uh, in Zach's life today. We're just praying for those that knew Zach and are thinking about him and all those things today. But we just need you. And so we just look to you today and we just, uh, just thank you that there, our hope is ultimately in you. And we thank you for forgiveness and grace that comes from your son, Jesus. Lord, we thank you today in Jesus' name, amen. Continue to pray for Chris. And again, I'll keep you posted on how you can support her as part of her uh, church community. So let's look today at First Peter chapter 5, um, verses 1 through 11. And before I read the passage, I just want to remind you uh, that, you know, First Peter is really about uh, suffering and enduring the hardship of suffering and how to live for God and live well for God in a society that is not for God. Uh, the emperor kind of rules here and there's persecution going on. They're going to lose people. Christians are losing their lives. And so uh, Peter, someone who's a disciple and follows Jesus, he begins to tell them, Um, really how he does it and how he is leading the church to do so, and there's truth for us today. But I find it interesting that I know as I've read this over the years of my following Jesus and other passages about suffering, uh, it's almost difficult to really imagine uh, the suffering that's going on in that world, and it's difficult to imagine what it's like to be uh, oppressed um, by the government this much if you haven't lived it, but also I think it's really hard to see that suffering without you understanding your own. Let me explain what I mean by that. I just think you can't really totally identify with somebody else's suffering unless you really get into and you're honest with the suffering of your own life. Suffering is actually one thing that unites every person that's a human together. There's a lot of things that divide us, a lot of things that are distinctive, a lot of things that are different but there's one thing that unites all of us and that's human suffering. We all will suffer. We all have suffered and it's been through the history of mankind. And as we read 1 Peter and other books of the Bible that talk about suffering, I think it's really, really hard to kind of be able to apply the truths and the principles that Peter is trying to explain without really understanding the suffering. And so that's why I've encouraged you really throughout the whole time you've known me probably to really engage your suffering in your life. So I can talk to you about Nero, and I can talk to you about Christians dying in the early church. I can talk to you about what it was like for Peter to be, you know, martyred and crucified as well. I mean, we can talk about these things all day. And you're going to skip right over the connection of just your own suffering, and really think about it. Your own suffering is no less than this. It's really easy to say, well, you know, I'm not being... Persecuted for my faith, and almost trying to kill me right now because I follow Jesus. And we get dismissive of our own faith, right, or our own suffering. We can say, "Well, at least we, you know, have fast food. They didn't have fast food back then. So how are we really suffering?" You know, we start doing these minimal, uh, diminishing things and minimize our suffering. Well, you know, I have a really nice bed to sleep in. You know what I mean? They they, they didn't. You know, we start doing these things, and, and I want to caution you on that. The trap of comparison goes for what grass is green on the other side and you want that for some reason, right? But it also goes with suffering. We look at somebody else's suffering and say, oh, that's way worse than mine, so let me just skip over mine and then we live a life of denial. And what I'm trying to tell you Mm -hmm. is suffering is suffering. And your experience with suffering, if you really get into it, is actually really similar to what's going on in the early church. And it's actually very similar for people who aren't even believers in your world today. When you think about feeling like God is silent, I mean, they're in this jail cell. Is he coming? Why are we even believing in this Jesus thing? We didn't even see him. People are dying. Jesus isn't saving these people. They're dying. This is what Peter's writing to. Saving you? How many years have you struggled with something chronic? Whether it's physical, relational, emotional. See what I'm saying? If you start really thinking about how isolating suffering can be, or when you are embarrassed because of your faith, because you do things a certain way, or you get made fun of, or whatever. If you begin to think about the pain that it is, I want to tell you, it's very similar to what's going on in the early church. And I implore you to then consider Peter's response. Because when we deny the suffering, We're going to just not deny his response well this is for the early church i don't have an emperor like nero you know i'm not being persecuted for my faith i'm not going to die tomorrow or you know then we then we start uh minimizing peter's response and that is what i want to caution you on this morning don't minimize what we're about to read and what peter says to the early church don't do it this is for you today this is for the suffering that you endure. This is for the painful things that even if you think, oh, it's not like this person next to me I know about. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't diminish Peter's response here. It's powerful, it's meaningful, and it's for today. Okay, that's my mini-sermon before the sermon, okay? So let's read 1 Peter uh, chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, okay? To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings, and one who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples of the flock. Verse 4, And when the chief shepherd, Jesus, appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. All of you, Close yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while will himself restore you and make you strong. That sounds good. Firm and steadfast. In verse 11, to him be the power forever and ever. Amen. You read those verses and I'm sure you read those before and we just dismiss what he talks about. If you can go the other route I'm challenging you with, what he's saying here will change your life. It'll change how you live. Uh, it will change what you pursue. It'll change what you're working on. Uh, you know, through this pandemic, we've all been home. We work on things around the house. We. You know, we make bread or, you know, we do these things. I made mean, a little home office, you know, put some shelves up and put all my books up so I look smart, right, in this office. You know, we do all these things, you know, or we start getting, you know, we have time now. right? nobody's coming over. I know it's a little bit different now. We're starting to gather again. But, you know, we start doing all this and we fill up our time, you know, and then, or our work fills up our time. There's, I feel like there's always work to do, right? I mean, there's something more you could do. Even if you're an hourly employee, you know, you're thinking about work, you're thinking about your sales, whatever it is. There's always something going on and I am challenge you as as we read this, that this is something you can pursue. Uh, If you don't have a spiritual growth plan, let's talk about it. We have a financial plan, right, there's blogs that teach you about all that kind of stuff, there's plans for this and that, there's home maintenance plans, there's all kinds of plans, there's plans for your career, there's plans for your health, you know, physical health, there's all kinds of memberships you can get and not use, right? There's all kinds of things there, but what's our spiritual growth plan, right? And uh, this could be a really great part of your spiritual growth plan. So let's talk about it real quick here. Uh, verse two, when Peter's talking about being a shepherd, uh, it's an illustration of Jesus being the great shepherd and the good shepherd, and an illustration of the Old Testament. Uh, this was a, a society that was uh, that would raise animals, and so they would have shepherds and they would have sheep. And the Old Testament has illustration. This Psalm 23 is. You know, a good shepherd leading his sheep to clean water and to green grass, right? This is a principle they would understand that a shepherd is caring. Uh, a shepherd doesn't have power, right? A shepherd is one that cares and provides and, and serves and protects as well as part of, their, part of their care. But it's really interesting here that he goes into a leadership principle. I'm talking about suffering for chapters worth here. He goes into a leadership principle. And he ties this leadership principle of the church which I think really should be any leadership principle. But anyway, he ties his leadership principle to church. He ties it to it because God. You know why he says, verse 2, he says that you should be shepherds, not um, uh, serving serving because you want to, because you're willing, not because you must or not because you're greedy for money or any of those things or lording it over those entrusted to you. Do you know Why? You can do that to people. You can be caring and giving and serving and loving and not greedy and get things from them because he will care for you. Can you imagine going through the suffering of this, feeling like you don't deserve the suffering, first of all, and then nobody's looking out for you? There's about a billion things they could do for themselves, but Peter challenges them to trust God just a little bit more. You can care for others in a special, loving, unconditional way because he cares for you. Can I just remind you of that today? He cares for you, he cares for you, he cares for you. It doesn't seem like it, right? But I want to remind you, this is the principle here. He cares for you. You can still be kind to your neighbor when the world's not kind to you. You can still be kind to yourself when the world's not kind to you. You can still be kind to a family member who votes different than you because he cares for you. And he sees you. He sees the suffering that nobody else is taken care of right now. He sees the pain. He sees the isolation and it seems like nobody else is doing anything for right now. I want to remind you to trust God in this because he cares for you. And because he cares for you, you can care in a special way for others. Uh, I also like to remind uh, leaders especially that there is uh, nothing better that you can get from people than what God's already given you. It's not money. It's not affirmation, fame, glory, whatever it is. Feeling powerful. Uh, getting them to do things. You know, in, uh, leadership is all about influence, right? Influencing people. Now listen, there's nothing you're going to get your people to do or get from people uh, that is better than what God's already given you. As you lead a family, maybe, you're a parent today, Just a good reminder you're not going to get anything from your kid that's better than what God's already given you. you know, I want my kids to be compliant Quiet, what else we want them to be, right? Sleep at night, all all these things. We just, we get into this mode of thinking all those things are best. Those aren't best, those are good, convenient, but there's nothing we'll get from uh, the people we're leading that's better than what God's already given to you, okay? Uh, Next in verse five, it talks about submission again. The word submission is being submissive or submitting yourself to people is all through this as well. And I just think it's so incredible that in suffering, in that, when you've got no power, you feels like you got no choices, right? Everybody else is making the decisions for you. Like the last thing you'd want to do is submit. The first thing I'd want to do is rage and rebel. Okay, that's my response. But what? Peter is reminding you again in the suffering you've got going on somebody else took your money away somebody else didn't give you that promotion someone else took this from you someone else did this to you and we have this whole world that's decided by everybody around us by our government by these rules and mandates and all these things that have been taken away I want to challenge you today to submit yourself to God and you can submit to leaders and elders around you because you are ultimately submitted to God there's a pride thing here if you can lay aside your pride of feeling like you aren't in charge or the boss, you will be free to willingly submit. He talks about this young man, leaders of the church maybe, of just submitting to those that maybe are older and wiser, they maybe do have a position and a title uh, to remember that ultimately you submit yourself to God, and because of that, I can submit myself to people who may be unjust. Okay? verse 7 here, uh, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you, anxiety can be worries, cares that we have, Uh, literally that word means to break oneself apart, you know, isn't that what anxiety does, Um, you know, we know that, you know, through psychology studies that the body actually keeps score of the pain that we go through, Uh, we can say, oh, everything's fine, but then like we've got high blood pressure oh everything's fine but then like we have headaches at night we can't sleep at night what Pastor Esther talked about last week right we, oh everything's fine anxiety you know well, no problem but then like your stomach's always hurting or whatever oh no, it's fine but I'm like stress eating like you know all these things and I want to challenge you that there's something powerful here that seems insignificant but it isn't Peter says uh, you can't just get your way you you can't just <clears throat> get people to change for you but here's what you can do you can throw you can cast you can put on you can take all this these worries and this anxiety and you can actually give it to God That sounds very impractical what does that look like I don't know but all, here's what I'm telling you is in the midst of suffering in the midst of these things that are really really hard when you feel alone when you feel like nobody knows what's going on is you can uh Trust God. And if there's one thing through this epistle that we can remember is to trust God. And the suffering of this life is an opportunity to trust God more. It's an opportunity for spiritual growth. It's an opportunity not to run. It's an opportunity not to cope. It's an opportunity to stay in it, to cast our anxiety and worry upon him, and to see how God transforms our life. You guys know this. We're always going to have anxiety and worry and frustrations. Um, in every season of life, You will. Uh, whether it's financial or less, you're always going to have these things. And what Peter is trying to say, if you really look at your suffering, it's so hard that, that really nothing on this earth can fix it. See, that's the power of this principle. If we can really get into our suffering and realize, yeah, I guess... No medicine can heal. What's going on? You know, I I guess no amount of money. Even if I won the lottery, you couldn't fix this thing. Or ensure no pain for the future, right? Oh, you know, if this person finally said sorry to me, I'd be all fine. Really? This is what Peter's trying to say. We've been looking for things in this world to do only what God can do. It's a marriage principle that hopefully you learn before you get married, but it's a marriage principle that No one person can do for you what God can. Uh, Marriage conflict and problems happen when we start to shove people into a hole that no person can fill. That actually applies in friendships. That applies in parenting too. We start making our kids make us feel happy, right? We start doing this in the workplace, you know? Uh, I don't want to challenge you that this is the work as we do as we follow Jesus This is our work is to sit in the mess and sit in the pain and to say God Nobody can fix this, but you I'm not telling you to be miserable. I'm not telling you not to relax I'm not telling you to go for a walk. No What I'm telling you is don't expect something of this world to do for you only God does. That's why Peter says You're in jail right now early church. You're about to die You feel alone and rejected you're embarrassed for your faith. You feel foolish uh, an emperor that suddenly says, oh, yeah, Christians can be Christians, no problem. It's not going to solve your problems. That doesn't heal it. You've got to cast your anxiety on God and trust Him. I know you don't like this answer, but there's no other answer in this world. He is your answer, okay? Uh, verse 9 here, uh, well, you verse 8 too. Be self-controlled and alert, right? So don't be intoxicated. Be, have some clarity of mind, whatever that means. You know, maybe it's a break from social media or news, get some clarity, whatever it is. Uh, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kinds of sufferings. Okay. Um, I want to tell you this morning that you can stand firm because of faith. Now, let me break this down for you what I just said to you. You can stand firm, which is a practical thing, it's a tangible thing when I stand firm, when I don't quit on God, when I don't get angry and turn these turn it outwards to hurt people around me, when I... I can stand firm because of something intangible. I can stand firm because of my faith. And here's what I want to challenge you with, okay? In our lives... We stand firm because of other things. We stand firm because we have a place to live. We stand firm because we have a job. Okay? We stand firm because we're married. We stand firm because people like us. We stand firm because we have our convenience. We stand I mean I can go on and on and on and on. We build our lives around things that make us feel grounded and safe and secure, but that ultimately isn't from God. What Peter says is that we can stand firm because of faith. Faith in who we can't see and faith in what's going to happen. This is so crucial for the Christian faith, for your walk to be and to live and to be near him, become like Jesus is for you to embrace that standing firm ultimately is in our faith and what he's going to do. I don't like that at all because I can tell you 20 years worth of God removing things that I put my standing firm foundation, strength, security in. I could tell you 20 years worth of stories. I didn't like when God took these things away. But I began to realize He's allowing me to greater stand firm in faith and not in these other things. And I'm telling you, you won't receive that truth without seeing your suffering. Right? If you would just ponder a few years of your life, when you think about what gives us security, what we stand firm in, what we give our foundation on, doesn't it change all the time? Job change. But even if you've been at the same job for a while, the people there change. Okay, the people don't change. The culture changes. Then they start doing this or start doing that. It is constantly changing. I remember when I was in sales, they would constantly change the commission plan. We'd be doing really well, making money or whatever, and then they change the commission plan so we make less. And I'm like, really? This is always happening here. When I worked at banking sales or cell phone sales, it just, Constantly, And I'm like, if you think about the people in your life, uh, I think it was uh, Tim Tim Keller who in his marriage book uh, that said said his wife says that he's been, you know, she's been married to three different men all named Tim. You know, we're a 40-year marriage. There's a different guy changing. I'm like, think about this. People are changing. We're so firm in who this person was and what they did for us and now they're not doing that for us anymore. Standing firm in even our routines of how we follow Jesus, I can remember the challenge it was for me going from high school to college. In high school, I remember I had my set thing: I came home from school, uh, I ate something, and then I was in my room for two hours for prayer. That was just my time, right? <clears throat> like I could have that every day. Nobody there was nothing else going on, right? That was my time. And I remember going to college and having this thing called a roommate. Oh my goodness. I was just, how do I keep a lock on the door when somebody has a key to the lock right I mean there's just they're surrounded by people you eat there's people in the cafeteria you walk down the way and there's people everywhere right I remember what a challenge it was for how my faith, how it was expressed in the routines of what and I was standing firm in those routines. So then I'm like am I gonna Figure out how to bolt the door and to add, add a lock, or what am I going to do here? So what I started doing was okay. I went behind the, a building at night at ten o'clock at night, and that was my prayer time. There's no lights back there. I probably got arrested. It was like cheap, probably I was a creeper or something. But I was in the behind this building at night. And it was alone. It was dark, and I could have my time with Jesus. I was so tied to a um, a method for what uh, made me felt what I was standing firm in. Haven't we had that challenge this past year and a half? Small groups taken away. We love small groups, I miss that, right? Um, Having church together and seeing people. I remember uh, recently shaking hands with somebody and being weird, like, oh my goodness, I haven't shaken somebody's hand in how long, right? We don't even like going for a hug now with people, right? how we had things that were together. We had our times to serve together, times to be together. Maybe you had your step thing of, well now everybody's home, I don't have my alone time. Or maybe you don't have your other things, you do your Bible reading time or study time. These things are happening and I want to challenge you. Stand firm in faith that Jesus did do an amazing work, your sufferings for a little while and he will ultimately heal you church. So as that which keep, has kept you firm goes away, want to challenge you to stand firm in your faith, okay? Verse 10, really great closing thought here. Uh, he talks about God. Um, uh, uh, the God of all grace um, through Christ gonna restore you, and make you strong. And he doesn't say this that you suffered for a little while to be dismissive in any way. Uh, Thirty years of suffering is brutal for people the stories I've heard being a pastor and also working in the secular world people share you their story it's just like I don't know how you got through that what you just told me how how are you right here and so it's dismissive and all it's just a way to remind you of a perspective Uh, you can trust God in the end I know it's hard right now Uh, I know this nagging thing that's been at you for years but I want to tell you church this is Peter's response to awful suffering. You can trust God in the end because this is just for a little while. And again, through this whole series, if you just remember that, to trust God. And this is just for a little while. But you know what I found? It's not easy to do that. I need reminders. I need songs. I need scripture. I need people. I need reminders to trust God in the end, okay? So I want to close with giving you kind of the same process i've been going through over the past several months really uh you know for me ultimately a discipleship is uh, being able to believe what jesus said becoming like him and then to be able to be near him no matter what the storms are in life and i think the process to be able to have that come out in your life and to make it happen is three things being aware seeking understanding and practicing a rhythm to make it happen so the awareness piece today is a couple things one is um, you know, to be really aware of your suffering right now and your anxiety. And how I do that, how I can uh, kind of flush that out for myself, is As I ask myself this question what has been ca- causing doubt? What aspect of my life, what's going on that has been causing doubt in God's goodness and faithfulness? What causes me some doubt that I don't instinctively say, oh, God's got that? What is it? Is it a problem I can't fix? Is it some hurt I've got going on? What is it that's causing me to doubt God's goodness or his faithfulness? That he didn't answer that prayer? That he is letting this go on for a long time? What is it? So that's the aware piece, where of your suffering. Secondly, is if you could just understand this truth that it's just for a little while in God's perspective, okay? You may seek understanding on some things of how can God allow evil? Uh, Jason's a good one to talk to about that. I think we have a video on that on YouTube. You can seek some understanding. We've got book recommendations for you on this. I can send you some articles. So seek some understanding on how in the world can this be okay? <clears throat> seek some understanding uh, that this is just a little while in, the, in God's eternal perspective. And the last thing, what do you need to practice to make it happen? For me, I have to practice worship and prayer and I have to practice honesty before God. It's okay to tell God that you think it's not okay. It's okay to tell God that, I don't see how this works out, God, I really have problems with these things. You don't have to tell me, but you can be honest with God. I think also part of the practice for me is to practice just asking God for help. Why is me asking God for help a secondary or thirdary, tertiary thing? whatever the word is? Why don't I first go to God for help? Oh, I got this pandemic time. Oh, I'll be fine. I don't even ask God for help, right? Can you practice that going to God for help is your first response? Right? It's a practice. It's a rhythm. It's an actual exercise. To when someone talks to you about something in your mind, to say, "God help me." Instead of like, oh, whatever happens, and then later on, oh, yeah, in my prayer time tonight, God, help me with this. No, 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 no. You can talk to God all day long with people, without people. You just talk to God. God, help me. Okay? I remember I used to pray that before I saw my sales numbers and how terrible they were going to be. God, help me. You know, before I turn on the screen and see this email. Aware yeah. um, of what's going on inside of you, where you're suffering, what's caused doubt for you, uh, to seek some understanding on God's perspective in this, and then to practice, this piece of, man, God, this is going on. I just come to you with it. I want to pray for you today, and that's what I'm going to pray for you, is that you would go do the work. The work is that process I've outlined, being aware, seeking understanding, and whatever the issue is. And then practicing some kind of rhythm, some kind of exercise. We all know you're not going to get healthy without some kind of practice or exercise. It just doesn't happen, right? That's... Uh, and then we can help you with that I give you some ideas on things to do as well so let's pray and then I'm going to have Liz do our closing song Jesus today we do want to become more like you and we know uh, being more like you is having our, our being our having our life secure and firm in what we believe in, in our Father and in your goodness so today we just are honest and Lord would you reveal to us what has caused doubt in our lives what has caused da- us to doubt your goodness and faithfulness Maybe it has been a frustrating job, or maybe it has uh, been this ongoing pandemic, or maybe it has been just having needs and feeling like we never can figure out ways to meet it. Or uh, maybe it's uh, something else, we just say, yes, Lord, we'll hear what you're saying about our suffering right now. Forgive us for denying. Lord, we pray right now, seek some understanding. Lord, we wanna embrace this idea that it's just a little while. Help us, Lord, as we consider all the evil that's still here, and yet you are sovereign as well. I pray today for the right practices for for people, and it's different for everybody, God, but I just pray today that our community, Lord, would consider a new practice. Maybe it's as simple as every day asking God for help, or just being honest, and once a week writing out really what we feel about God or this life. God, I just pray that today that we'd have the courage to do these really hard things to come to you in the midst of it all. And I pray uh, in all the suffering that's ahead, not just next year, but the the rest of our lives, that we can embrace this truth that Peter shares, that we can trust you above all else. In Jesus' name.